0: name. Oh, Father, that we could each have a thousand tongues to sing your praises. Father, that we would spread through all the earth abroad your name, the name of Jesus. Father, help us as we open Your Word to grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that that Your Spirit would move, that our hearts would be humbled, that our hope would be growing and sure, that our lives would be more conform to the image of Your Son through the preaching of Your Word. Father, I pray for clear communication from my mouth, led by Your Spirit, guided by Your Word. I pray for listening ears and humble hearts. Father, I pray that, that each person in here would be impacted by by Jesus Christ on this day for your glory. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Something that, well, reading this week and then kind of sparked something in my mind that I was thinking about and really not even fully developed, I suppose, but it's something I thought was worth talking about. Um, And it it has to do with, I I was reading in Romans and I was just noticing all of the amens, all the amens or amens that are there. There's a number of them. And it just got me thinking about in my own life, in my own spirit, I, I have a desire to amen more than I used to. And I don't know what that is or what that's about, but it, it intrigued me. And so I started looking. The first time we, we see the word amen in the scriptures is in Numbers chapter 5. And it's, it's about um, t- testing for adultery. And that's the first time we see the word amen. In verse 20, it says, May this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away. And the woman shall say, Amen. Amen. It was a judgment, it was it was a it was a way of seeing testing for adultery, and if indeed it was an adulterous woman, that there would be that sort of a reaction, a response. And the woman shall say, Amen. Let it be so, let it be so. Be in agreement with. You know, when Jesus truly, truly, verily, verily, let it be so, the word Amen, we're affirming, let it be so. Then in Deuteronomy, when we see all the curses on Mount Ebal, you see, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. I won't keep reading, but all there is cursed, Amen. Cursed, Amen. Cursed, Amen. Cursed Cursed be this sinner, and the people say, amen, let it be so. In the New Testament, we see a, a different, a seemingly different usage of let it be so. And, and by the way, in the Old Testament, there are amens to the, to the positive, to the glory of God, but again, mostly they are to judgments or curses. In Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. This is the judgment of Romans 1. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen this 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 culture these these people are are being judged by god they've been given up in their lusts and and we say amen let it be so uh, romans chapter 9 verse 5 to them belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is christ who is god over all blessed forever amen and now we see this this Praising Christ, blessing Christ, praising God. And we see, Amen, let it be so. Chapter 11, verse 36. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him, to God, be glory forever. Amen. Uh, chapter eleven, uh, chapter t- uh, 16, verse 27 in Romans. In, in, as Paul is closing out his letter to the Romans. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that we kept secret for long, for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. For the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let it be so. Let let God be glory forevermore through be glorified forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. In First Corinthians chapter 14, we're ta- they're talking about speaking in languages. Paul's talking about speaking in languages, and we see verse 13, Therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfaithful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sp- sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving? How can they say, let it be so? How can they be in agreement? Uh, when you see all these other amens to the glory of God and, and you see amen, let it be so. We, we say amen when we see the righteousness, the holiness, and the glory of God whether that be in judgment or whether, whatever it is about the glory of God. And, and so it brings my mind around to when I listened to, when I was here a week ago Saturday and, and the men were up here teaching, I want to say amen, and I do say amen sometimes. When, don't be afraid and, and don't stop. When you see the glory of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, when you see his righteousness and his holiness, amen, let it be so when you when you see when you see god's judgment on a people amen let it be so when you when you and 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 to see that and to 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 say let it be so uh it's it, you know we have this habit of saying amen after a prayer it's a habit and it's a fine habit it's let it be so what we've prayed but but even even more so or even in addition to, that we would be a people that actually amen when we see the glory of God. When we see the, 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 the awesomeness and the, and the foreverness and the sovereignty and the, and the goodness and the judgment and the righteousness and the holiness of God, let God's people say amen. I think it will minister to your soul. I know it does mine. Uh, and whatever your religious background, your Christian background, you know, we, we do or don't say, you know, go some places, and I, a friend of mine who preaches, he constantly is asking for amens. I used to really think that was a problem, and I still kind of do because of where that's coming from, but at the end of the day, God's people ought to say amen. Don't be afraid to say amen when you see the glory of God, the sovereignty of God, the judgment of God, the holiness, the righteousness, the beauty of Christ. Like I was preparing this morning, and I was saying amen out loud a couple of times as I was preparing for today's sermon. So there's that. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where we are, and we are being in verses 21 and 22. We Again, we know after some 18 months of ministering in Galilee, Jesus is ready to set his face towards Jerusalem, toward the cross, ending up uh, his time in Galilee. Remember, they went up to the very northernmost part, up by Dan, up to Caesarea Philippi. And he's having some time where, again, the focus of his public ministry is now going to narrow down more to the 12. So he's spending time with the 12. And he asks them, who do the people say that I am? Who do the crowds? Who do the masses? And they said, mm, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say other prophets. Jeremiah. But who do you say that I am? And we saw last week that, that Peter, in representing all of them, had the, the, the correct answer. And I, I would say the correct answer up to that point. The correct answer up to that point was the Christ of God. That was the answer he gave. And, and we know that, that he, he received that revelation from God. That's nothing that a man can understand on his own. And so we, we talked about and considered, and I hope you have been considering, the most important question that you will ever ask, be asked and answer is, who do you say that Jesus is? As a quick sidebar, two times, well, three people, two times this week, I remembered to ask that question inside of a conversation as a way to interact with them about who Christ is to them. Who do you say that Jesus is? Everybody in here, Believer and unbeliever, you you ought to be asking yourself that question. So, uh, 12 have gone out. There's this big following. Jesus has this following. Again, as a judgment on Galilee and then as a a move out of Galilee, uh, Jesus has taken them up, asked them the question. They answer it correctly to that point. And then stand and I'll read verses 21 and 22 of Luke 9. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and and be killed. And on the third day be raised. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but whenever i especially early in my christianity and not so much anymore but but for a long time i always wondered about these times when jesus said don't tell anybody and i was at a church that was evangelistic by name and and but it was but don't tell anybody like he would tell tell these folks don't don't tell anyone that what you what you know about me what you've seen about me don't tell this truth this truth that that the answer was that Peter had given uh, the Christ of God. Don't don't tell anyone that. You know, I I thought these these apostles and all Christians by extension, but these apostles these were his messengers, and they were they were told to tell the world of of who he is and and how he is salvation and all about that. Uh, Remember, there's this misunderstanding that the, that the masses have. And, and I would say even today, there's a misunderstanding that most people have of, of who Jesus is. And, and this was true for these apostles. They, they were calling him uh, John the Baptist or Elijah, another prophet, which isn't accurate. And, and they had the most correct answer, the Christ of God. And yet they were told, don't tell anyone. Tell no one, I am the Christ of God. And and this wasn't just some mild request that Jesus was making. This is what it says, And he strictly charged, the word there is epitemao, command, give a warning implying a threat, to charge under penalty. He strictly charged and commanded, peringaleo, it was a military term. So so he warned them, strictly he warned them, and he told them, he commanded them, do not tell anyone who I am. Tell no one. Why would he so firmly and aggressively tell them to keep silent as to his identity? Well, because who was Israel looking for? They were looking for a king. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the Christ of God. And who they thought that was going to be was someone who would come and be an earthly king that would bring Israel back to being a great nation. That's what they were looking for in John 6, 15. In John's Gospel, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself The people of Israel had the wrong idea of what the Messiah of God was going to come to do. They had a temporal or earthly mindset of of who he was. And and as he's getting, remember, he's had this huge following in Galilee. People are following him all around. He just fed 20,000 plus people. They followed him again the next day to get more food. It's a large following and they're trying to take him away. Remember, he can't even hardly walk. And they want to make him king. And, and so Jesus tells him, it's not time for, to, be, to reveal who I am. In, in due time, Jesus is going to reveal this himself. In, in Matthew 26, during the last week of his earthly life, Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. This, this when, when Jesus told the high priest in the Sanhedrin that he is the Christ, and not only is he the Christ, he's also the Son of Man that will be seated at the right hand of God. He's also God. What did it cause them to do? Put him to death. In Luke 22, 66. After Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, when day came, the assembly of elders, the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of power of God. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. So when the timing was right, Jesus was going to tell these Jewish religious leaders that he was the Christ of God and that he was the Messiah. He was also the Son of God and God himself. But but right now, in the end of his Galilean ministry, was not yet time for this to be revealed. These 12 were told by him in very very strong terms with warnings and of penalty, do not tell anyone. And then he tells them why. The passion of Christ foretold. So, uh, Jesus tells them why they are to tell no one. Because God has a plan, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed on the third day, be raised. The Passion of the Christ. What is the Passion of Christ? The movie, The Passion of Christ, that that came out. We hear it called Passion Week. You'll hear me refer to that. What is, what is that about? Well, when he says, saying the Son of Man must suffer, the word there for suffer and the grief is Pasco. Latin word, pati, to endure, to suffer, to be in pain. Christ must suffer. The Son of Man must suffer all things. So he says, God, the reason you're to tell no one is, it's not time because there's more things that have to happen. See, we're in Galilee. What has to happen is, the Son of Man has to go and stand before the Jewish leaders the elders the priests and the scribes and be rejected by them he tells them for the first time in Luke's gospel this is what has to happen this is why you're not to tell anyone who i am it's not time it's not time for this to be revealed it's not time for for god's plan to to come to fruition the plan of redemption right now We have to wait, so tell no one. I, the Son of Man, must suffer and must be rejected. The Messiah, as we see 700 years earlier in the book of Isaiah, Behold, chapter 52, verse 13, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond the children of mankind. Down in verse chapter 53, verse 2. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. All of the things that Isaiah had prophesied this is what he's saying here in this, in this explanation. He's saying, don't tell anyone who I am because the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected in the ways that was prophesied about the Son of Man. And that's not going to happen if, if in Galilee I'm taken away to be some earthly king. The scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders, we're not even in Jerusalem. We've got to go and present this to those that will 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 have me put to death. Therefore, I, verse 12, I will provide divide in proportion with many. And he shall Divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercessions for the transgressors. This wasn't ready to happen. If he was arrested in Galilee, if it was revealed that he was the Messiah, they would not get to Jerusalem where he would be able to suffer many things. Psalm 118.22, this word for uh, rejected is uh, apodisomai. And, and it's used in the Septuagint in Psalm 118.22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone Isaiah 28:16 Therefore thus says the Lord God Behold I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone a tested stone a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation whoever believes will not be in haste This 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 cornerstone this stone that the builders the builders needed to reject this stone The builders of Judaism the builders of the temple he had to be rejected by them This was prophecy. He had to be killed. He had to be mocked and beaten and and suffer passion. He had to suffer many things, be rejected and be killed and raised on the third day. And so it wasn't time. This cornerstone hadn't been rejected. Remember, he's got a big following. Right now, he's very popular people are following after him to get the miracles they're they're listening to his teaching he has lots of disciples remember the pharisees are starting to grumble but we're up in galilee there that's not the that's not the high priest in the sanhedrin that's just some other religious leaders for the most part he has a favorable following and so he says to them tell no one and it Luke doesn't mention in his gospel, but in, in Matthew's gospel, how does Peter respond? Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must, by the way, day, go, must, has to happen. You can't tell anyone because it has to happen that I go to Jerusalem. Uh, He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. No, you're here. You are the Messiah. You are the sent one. There is no way you're going to be beaten and, and, and mocked and suffer and die. Not on my watch, says Peter. See, Peter even had the wrong idea. He had the complete answer. The most complete answer is, you are the Christ of God. You are the Messiah. But he had a misunderstanding of who the Christ of God was to be. He didn't realize there needed to be this this death and resurrection. He didn't know the full picture. He knew that he was the Christ of God, but again, thought that it should be a temporal deliverance for Israel. To be making them a great nation. The twelve don't have this full picture. They don't have the full picture of who Jesus is. So even when they, when he said to them, who do you say that I am? He answers rightly as given by God, the Christ of God, the Messiah of God, the the, the anointed one, the promised one. But then he doesn't understand, they don't understand the God's plan. The God's plan would include going to Jerusalem, being rejected, suffering many things, being killed and rising on the third day. So he tells them for now, tell no one. There will be, there will be in the life of these 12 a time when God's plan of redemption will have been completely revealed. In, 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 they will see, these 12 are going to witness and be part of and watch this unfold. They're going to watch him be rejected. They're going to watch him suffer many things. They're going to be there to watch Passion Week, except 11 of the 12. These apostles are going to be there to see that. They're going to see him be spat upon and crown of thorns and mocked and beaten and whipped, even to the point they're going to deny knowing him. But they're going to witness these things happening. They're going to see his resurrected body. They're going to spend 40 days with him before he ascends. So the full revelation will come to them, and then it will be time. So anytime Jesus says it's not time yet, don't tell anybody. It's nothing for us to take to heart. Don't tell anybody was simply because the complete plan of redemption had not unfolded. It would be premature for you to go tell anyone these eleven. But now go and tell. The last instruction Jesus gave to the the eleven... This was after Passion Week and after 40 days of living with him in his resurrected body, right before he ascended, the last instruction he gives them, Luke twenty four forty four. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So just before he ascends with these very men that he told, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone that I'm the Christ of God. Peter says, no, no, you're not going to die. He has the wrong picture. Right before he ascends, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, you... You, 11, are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So now they had the full picture. Now they saw, they had seen the entire plan of redemption worked out. All they haven't seen yet is the ascension, and they're about to see it. So he said, then now you're going to go tell people, but wait until the Spirit comes. So Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So finally, these 11 remaining apostles, they had the complete picture. They had full revelation, and they had the Spirit of God living in them, and now it was time for them to go say who Jesus is, completely. More than the Christ of God. Absolutely the Christ of God. But much more, much more in that picture being fulfilled. So then it was time for them. So, now who do you say that I am? So, just like the apostles, we have the complete story. We have the full picture. We have all of who Jesus is given to us so that we can go and tell everyone. Don't ever think you're to tell no one. You're not one of the 11, 12, before it was time. It is time to reveal this to all nations. It is time for you to give the answer who do you say Jesus is? We have full revelation from these 11 and those that traveled with them. This is what we hold in the New Testament. This is the complete revelation of God's plan of redemption. This is the complete picture of who Christ is. Of who Jesus is, we have it all It's been revealed to us by God as he's given us a new heart and an understanding of the scriptures that we can now go tell people who Jesus is. We have a testimony. We are witnesses. We are witnesses to who Jesus is. We are to tell everyone who Jesus is. So who do you say that Jesus is? This that I'm about to go through is not a complete list of who Jesus is. But these are some things that I thought it was worth all of us, beloved, to take a look and see who Jesus is, that we can tell everyone. We can be witnesses to everyone who he is. Dwelling on Jesus. Remember last week, I think it was in the beginning of the sermon, I asked you, who is Jesus? Who do you say that He is? And I don't know if you pondered that throughout the week, and I don't know if you pondered that in your life, but this morning we're going to actually think about and dwell on who Jesus is. Well, He is the Christ of God, just like was answered by Peter. Notice he's the Christ of God. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one of God. He's not my Messiah. He's God's Messiah. He's God's anointed one, sent by God. Remember what God's, the Christ of God was sent for. God's anointed one was not sent to give me a better life now. He wasn't sent for an earthly kingdom. The Christ of God was sent to save sinners, to redeem a people to Himself for eternity. So He is the Christ of God. Jesus is God. That's who else Jesus is. John, John, who was one of these 11 that was told, don't tell anyone now. Who later would be telling everyone as he wrote these words that we see here in the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God. Colossians 2, 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is who he is. Jesus is God. Look, don't just let these things go in your ears and through your mind and out the other side. Who do you say that Jesus is? He is God. That's who He is. He is our Savior, beloved. Matthew 1, 21, She will bear a son, and you call His name Jesus, for He will save Soto, His people from their sins. In Luke 2.11, the angel of God says that unto you this day is born a Savior. Soter. He is our Savior. Jesus, beloved, is our Savior who saves us from the wrath of God. He saves us from our penalty for our sins. He is our Savior. He is God who saves us from the wrath of God for the glory of God. He is our Savior. He is the Christ of God. He is God. He is our Savior. Who do we say Jesus is, beloved? He is our Redeemer. He is our Redeemer. Redeemer. <laughs> the word in ephesians 1:7 in him we have redemption liberation procured by the payment or ransom he has ransomed us he has redeemed us he has purchased us 1st corinthians 7:23 you were bought with a price do not become slaves of men we were bought with a price he has redeemed us in we have redemption in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. He has come not to serve, but to give his life a ransom for many. He has ransomed us. He has redeemed us. He has purchased us. He is your redeemer. You are his. Jesus God's Christ. He is God. He is our Savior. He is our redeemer. He is the propitiation for our sins. The propitiation to gain or regain favor or goodwill. The word hilasmas to expiate, to extinguish guilt incurred by. He has extinguished our guilt. He has regained or gained favor with God for us. 1 John 4.10 In this is love, not that we have loved God, that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He has appeased the anger of God that was upon us due to our sin. He is the Christ of God. He is God. He is our Savior, beloved. He is our Redeemer. He is the propitiation for our sins. He has appeased the wrath of God. This is, this is who you say Jesus is. This is who He is. He is now our Advocate. He is our advocate. One who pleads for another. One who pleads another's cause before a judge. First John two, 1 John 2.1 My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Don't sin, beloved. But if anyone does sin, since we do sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. When we sin, beloved, who you say Jesus is, is your advocate. He is pleading your cause before God anytime you sin. That's who Jesus is. He is He is advocating. They are forgiven. Their sins are covered by my blood. When the father would see Matthew's sin, Jesus is advocating for him. He He is pleading Matthew's cause saying, no, he's ours. He's mine. I've purchased him. I'm going to advocate for him. I'm going to plead his case before you, God. This is who Jesus is. He's our advocate. He is our defender. He is our mediator. An intermediary who interposes between two parties. We've talked about this on Wednesday night recently. He is our mediator. He is the one who brings peace between two parties. He is the intermediary between us and God. 1 Timothy two, five. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. We need no one else. Who we say Jesus is, is our mediator, the one and only mediator between us and God, and we need no one else. He has brought peace between us. We have been reconciled to God by our mediator. And he forever keeps that peace. We don't. There is no other mediator. See, we we say Jesus is the one mediator. A Roman Catholic would say, well, you have the mediatrix Mary. No, we need no other mediator. That's who we say Jesus is. That's who we tell people Jesus is. He's our advocate. He's our mediator. He's our intercessor. Ongoingly intercedes on our behalf. He, he is the ongoing go-between. Romans 8.34 Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Right now, right now, who we say Jesus is, is our, our intercessor. He is at the right hand of God, praying for us, interceding for us. Hebrews 7, 24, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He forever lives as the great high priest. Consequently, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christ, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father interceding for his people forever and ever. John 17, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus is... God's Christ. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He has purchased us with His blood. He, he was the propitiation. He appeased God's righteous anger against our sin. He is now advocating for us. He is our ongoing mediator. He is constantly interceding with God in heaven for us. This is who I say Jesus is. He is our true vine. He is our source of power. John 15, 4, 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the vine. It is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's who we say Jesus is. He is the source by which we bear good fruit. And if we are not connected to him, we can do nothing good. Jesus is my source of righteousness. The only way to do any good is because I am connected to him. And if I don't abide in him, I will do nothing good. I cannot. This is who Jesus is. He is the true vine. Who do we say Jesus is, beloved? We say he is our Lord and our master. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy Set him apart as Lord. Colossians 4, 1. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a slave, a master in heaven. You earthly masters, you have a master in heaven. Kurias, Jesus is our Lord and our master. He owns us. He is from where we get all of our instructions on living life. That's who we say He is. And we don't just say it with our mouths. We believe it in our hearts that He is Lord, that He is Master. He is the one that's going to give us our instructions we, we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. This is who we say He is. He is our Lord, our Master. He is our Shepherd. We are His sheep. We need His provision, His protection, and leading I say, Jesus is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I say that all my provision and all my protection and all of my leading comes from Jesus. That's who we say Jesus is. He is our shepherd. First Peter 2.25, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd. And overseer of your souls. He is the shepherd of my soul. Without him I would go astray. That's who I say Jesus is. My shepherd. Without him I'd have nothing. Could do nothing. And would do nothing but go astray. 1 Peter five three. See, pastor, elders, undershepherds, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you receive the unfading crown of glory. He is the shepherd of our souls, and he has provided us under shepherds. But he is the shepherd of our souls. Hebrews 13 20. Now may the God of peace who brought Again, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. Who do we say Jesus is, beloved? He's the true vine. He is our power source. He is our Lord and our master. He is our shepherd. It is true that the elders are called poignmen. We are under shepherds. And it is, in one sense, you can say that we shepherd you. But don't ever forget, He is... Our shepherd. He is the great shepherd. Chief Shepherd. Who else is Jesus? Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of our Christianity, He is the cornerstone of our faith. X four eleven. This Jesus is the stone that was reject, rejected by you. He's telling the Jewish leadership, he was rejected by you, you, you scribes and Pharisees and high priest, you builders. He was rejected by you. He has become the cornerstone. He is the cornerstone that the church, that our faith, our Christianity is built upon. This is who we say he is. Ephesians two nineteen. We are not we are not the cornerstone of our faith is not the Puritans. It's not being Baptist or Reformed. The cornerstone of our faith is Jesus. Ephesians two nineteen. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's what the apostles and the New, New Testament prophets did. They built the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ, Jesus Himself, being the cornerstone the the cornerstone where you start a building so that it's it's built perfectly the cornerstone is Jesus and the foundation on which the apostles and prophets built it was the cornerstone of Jesus he is the only cornerstone that we have all christianity is built upon the solid rock of Jesus that's who he is 1st corinthians 3 according to the grace of god paul says given to me like a skilled master builder i laid a foundation and something else someone else is building upon it let each one take care how he builds upon it for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is jesus christ if anyone builds on a foundation with gold silver precious stones wood hay straw each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done The work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. All that we do in our Christian life is either built upon the cornerstone of Jesus and will be rewarded, or it's not built, it's built on something different, and it will burn up. It will be a waste of our time. He is the cornerstone on which we build our lives, our Christianity, our faith. Our faith. Our religion, if you will, this is the cornerstone. He is. That's who He is. That's who I say Jesus is, because that's who God says Jesus is. He is the head of the church. Ephesians one twenty two, and He put all things under His Jesus feet, and gave Him Jesus as head over all things to the church. Ephesians five. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of His church. Elders are not the head of the church. Session leaders are not the head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Don't say anything else. This is who we say Jesus is. He is the cornerstone and he is the head of the church. He is the coming judge john five twenty two for the father judges no one has given all judgment to the son acts ten forty two and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he Christ is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and dead. All eternal souls will stand before Jesus as judge. This is who we say Jesus is. Acts 17.31, Because He has fixed a day on which He, Jesus, will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this, given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. God will judge the world by Jesus Christ, who He's appointed to be the judge. Revelation 19.11, Then I saw... Heaven open, And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. He will not return. Here's who we say Jesus is. He will not return as the Redeemer or the Savior for those who have not believed. He will return as the righteous judge. And he will make war against all of those who have not believed on him. He'll make war again. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Amen? He came as a a Savior and as a propitiation and as a way to be made right with the Father through Him. When He returns, He will come to judge the living and the dead. That's who Jesus is. Matthew 25. 33, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus will come as king to judge, and those on the right he will welcome into glory. then he will say to those on the left, Depart from you, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. Jesus will return to judge. Kiss the son lest he become angry. Who do we say Jesus is as Christians? He is the future judge of all souls. Guilty or innocent. Guilty or forgiven. He's the cornerstone. He's the head of the church. He's the future judge of all souls. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. But think about that. This is who he is. He is the king, small k, of all, or large k of all small k kings. He is the large l lord of all small l lords. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not equal to anyone. He is the sovereign. He is the forever, forever eternal King. Revelation seventeen fourteen. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation nineteen thirteen. 13, He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and by the name which He is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following Him on white horses. From His mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fury of the wrath of, the God, of God Almighty. On His robe and on His thigh He has a name written, King of kings, And Lord of Lords. This is who Jesus is. He is coming to judge and to rule and to reign and make war against those who are not right with him. He is the one to which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. This is who Jesus is. But for us, beloved, that is who He is, and yet we are saved by Him. He is the propitiation for our, for our, our sins. He is atoned for. He is our older brother. He is our, our Savior and our Lord and our Master, and we are in right relationship with God through Him. So when He comes to wage war... We will be on His side. But if you have not believed on Jesus, who He is, is He will return with vengeance and God's wrath and judgment. Jesus is also our bridegroom. This is who we say He is. Beloved, He is our forever... There is going to be a forever marriage that will be consummated in heaven between his bride, the church, and himself. And we, we, the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus, he will be our forever husband. He is our bridegroom. Revelation 19, 7. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Revelation 21, 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared from God, and prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jesus is our forever husband in glory. This is who Jesus is. We will be in Perfect, right relationship with Jesus for all eternity. For us, beloved, this is who we say Jesus is. Who do we say that Jesus is? As God's elect, as God's people, as God's adopted children. We say that he is the Christ of God. He is the anointed of God. He is God. He is God. Jesus, God the Son, came to live as a man. He is our Redeemer. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is our Advocate and our Mediator and our Intercessor. He is the true vine. He is our Lord and our Master. He is our Shepherd. He is the cornerstone of our Christianity, of our faith. He is the head of the church. He is the coming judge. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is our forever bridegroom. This is who we say he is, and all of these things, I cannot do justice in this one sermon. I am just trying to get us to look upon Christ and think upon Christ and these things that he is and all that it means to us. He is also the bread of life. He is the rock. He is the word. He is, he is the author and, and f- uh, f- uh, fashioner of our faith. He is the king of Israel. He's our older brother. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. This is who I say Jesus is. This is who I am to tell everyone. I am not to tell no one. I am to tell everyone, just as the apostles who were told tell no one because it wasn't time. God's plan had not come to fruition after the plan of redemption, after the cross, after the Passion Week. Christ then died and rose, and then 40 days he lived with him. Before he ascended, he said, now, now you're ready. You know all things. God has shown you these things. He's given you a a mind to understand and a heart to believe. But just go and wait, and the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, then you take this message everywhere and we in the in the in the lineage of the apostles we as christians have the same thing given to us we've been given the knowledge we can understand who christ is we can we can understand the word we can understand all of these things that he is and we are to go tell everyone who he is closing thought jesus strictly charged the 12 not to tell anyone who he was rather Wait for God's plan of redemption to come to fruition. When Christ had ascended and the Holy Spirit indwelled them, they were to go and witness to the world the complete revelation of who they knew Jesus to be. We too, beloved, are to know and to proclaim who we, by the grace of God, say that Jesus is. We know Christ and he knows us. We do not perfectly know Christ. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are to take these realities of who he is and grow in the grace and the knowledge of who he is. That we can remind ourselves every day who we say Jesus is and we can remind all of those around us who we say Jesus is. And it is certainly enough to say he's the Savior. But there's more. Certainly enough to say he is God, but there's more. Redeemer, propitiation, advocate, intercessor, shepherd, king of kings, Lord of lords, cornerstone, head of the church. All of these realities of who he is. This is who we say, do you remind yourself of these things? Do you tell yourself these things? Do you know these things? Do you remember these things? Tonight we'll take the Lord's Supper. We're told, remember Christ. Remember Him. God has shown us, beloved, by giving us new hearts. God has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. We can know Christ. We do know Christ. And we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We can understand His Word and we can believe it. And so it is no longer time to tell no one. It is time to tell everyone, starting with yourself, who do you say that Jesus is? Proclaiming the name of Jesus into our own hearts and into the listening of others. Go tell everyone. No longer go tell no one. It is time. God's plan is fully revealed. Christ has lived in the flesh. He's died. He's risen. He lives forevermore. Going to return to judge and to be a bridegroom to his bride for all eternity. Father, we thank you for your word again. We thank you for the answer to the question of who. We say Jesus is. Father, we say he is who you say he is through your word. We affirm and proclaim the reality of your scriptures being your word written down by these men who were told to tell no one until it was time. And Father, now in time, we've been given your word. I pray today that we would dwell on Christ, that we would truly think on all of the things, all the characteristics, all of the realities of who he is. And Father, at different times throughout our day, help us to remember that we have an advocate. Help us to remember that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Help us to remember he is God that he is the head of the church. Father, help us that, that he is our Lord and our master. Grow us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can live more like him for his sake and for your glory. pray all these things in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Glorious is thy name, hymn 144. Glorious is thy name.